Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Inside the Ring Podcast Network. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And do you remember us? It's been so long. <laughs> we missed you. I almost forget how to do this. I had to write out an agenda. And it is. And we even forgot how to write out an agenda. Yeah. I labeled some things, things that don't make sense. Well, make sense to me, but don't make sense to Jeremy. I did have to ask for clarification. And that's okay. Because here we are. We know what they mean now. And and it's going on. And it's going on. But I also have to just start the show by apologizing for any background noise that you might be hearing. It's not because I've left my microphone in Ohio again. It's because, for some reason, (laughs) Grand Rapids, Michigan, in February, on February 8th, uh, major thunderstorm. Yeah, like torrential downpour, because you can hear it on his very tin roof. (laughs) Yeah, and like... Like to the point where some of the thunder has been like pretty audible, even on Laura's side. So it's yes. been like a pretty substantial storm, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely for February. I mean, it's not, I mean, we Ohio has some like kind of random pop up stormy type thing. I'm sure we'll have one too if it keeps being this warm for February. But like, it's just weird because I'm pretty sure like last week we were talking about how you it was snowing like before you left for AFLB yeah. like and now it's like less than a week later and it's literally just torrential downpouring thunderstorm situation. Yeah. I will never know peace for more than kind of like kind of like California right now where they're having what's called like a cosmic downpour or something yeah. like that. Where it's just it's more water that they've than they've ever seen in like the last forty five years, or something. So there were people I like saying that they almost like didn't Miley Cyrus wasn't she like worried about making it to the Grammys because of the traffic from the downpour? <laughs> like, yeah, there were people like tying up their dresses and taking off their like definitely like first world problems are also like of course other terrible things happening. But like the Grammys red carpet was basically like underwater. <laughs> Um, and which was always, it's always funny to watch them spend all day getting like beautiful. And then it's just like pouring outside, (laughs) which I do think they do the Grammys at the, I know it's not called the Staples Center anymore. It's like crypto.com arena or whatever, Mm -mm. but they, wherever they do the Oscars or wherever they used to do the Oscars, like I always think it's like the biggest like ripoff in like all of like. Hollywood it's a production. strip mall. It's a strip mall. There's a Forever 21 in it, and I I bought shoes in there, shoes and a hoodie. Yeah, like next to the Dolby Theater. It's insane. I had never been more disappointed by anything in my entire life than Hollywood, when I went to LA. It's entirely, a sh- uh, it's entirely not what it is. Like literally, the literally. mock-up of the man's Chinese theater that is in MGM Studios. <laughs> is larger than the actual man's Hollywood theater or Chinese Hollywood theater. Like, and where they have like the handprints and bullshit is so, it's like the same size as my deck. Like, and you don't realize that they switch in and out the slabs of concrete. Like, so that they're not all there all the time. Correct. So 
it was, yeah, I've never been more disappointed that I could buy an Auntie Anne's pretzel outside of where they host the Oscars. But, you know. It felt too accessible, right? Like, it's like, it it's yes. just way too easy to, for me to be here. Um, but, Laura, it, it has been too long. It has been way too long since we have done this, since we have sat down and we have talked about the Blue Jackets. Of course, obviously, the Blue Jackets have made it hard on us but life also has made it hard on us and <laughs> so <Jesus Christ. laughs> uh so we obviously acknowledge that to the extent that we're comfortable and leave it at that but laura how have you been otherwise <laughs> i know you're hanging in there as best as you can but what yes. what's been going on how's it going yeah no i mean i've been going through it too as much as we're gonna talk about like detail-wise right now, but it's been a very hard, like, last month. Um, basically, since we did all of the content for Hockey is Forever one night, my personal life has been very much so not in the hockey realm of things. It's very much been in a different uh, land, not um, one that's not very pleasant or fun or um, exciting to be a part of, but it's where we're at right now and you've been incredibly um, supportive and awesome with me as we go down this journey, but it's just been a lot. I'm incredibly tired because um, part of this is I have not been sleeping more than like three hours a night for, oh, we're going on 12 days. Um, so I am very much so a shell of myself. Um but yeah, we're getting through it one day at a time. It's why we decided to um, sort of take a little, take advantage of the very long all-star break that the Blue Jackets had, much longer than most of the other teams, it feels like, um, and sort of take advantage of that and give ourselves a little bit of a break. You had to go to a conference and I had some different things to take care of, but um, there have been some fun, like... Um, I had a good, like, girls' day with some of my college girlfriends. I got to take Hallie, my eight-year-old niece, to Disney on Ice this past Sunday. Um, and I spoiled the shit out of her. I'm going to be broke for, like, forever because, of course, she needed a $35 wand, a $20 necklace that glows in the dark, and a $20 Olaf cup filled with a snow cone. So she kept saying that she was eating his brains um, all Darn. the while, you know, two hours of watching her favorite Disney characters sing and dance and ice skates. Um, and <laughs> I think I told you this because I'm so tired. I'm also like, my emotions are very surface level. So like, I feel like when people talk about crying at like, Christmas commercials or like stuff like that. Like that's how I feel all the time. Like the smallest thing can make me want to just like ball my eyes out for no reason. And what was it the other? Oh, I was watching TikToks of, and I have to stop watching them because it makes me so emotional of Tracy Chapman and Luke Bryan doing fast cars at the Grammys and I can't, I will, I, I will cry every single time they show her and just like her finally getting not like a redemption moment from her original performance of it at the Grammys in the eighties, but like to really have come into her own as a queer black woman 
like and to see re a resurgence of this beautiful song um i will cry like i will cry um but yeah so it's been a fun time and then today uh which is thursday um i got a new tattoo with one of my besties and i'm so 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 happy with how it turned out it's so beautiful um i got a stained glass hummingbird um which I'm probably being biased, but it looks so real. Like you almost have to do a double take when you look at it because my artist just captured the stained glass part of it so beautifully. And once I it's mean, all like healed and beautiful, I will I'm sure we'll share a picture, but it's, it's insane. So beautiful. Mackenzie is so good at her craft. Like it is phenomenal. Like, it looks like she soldered together, like, actual pieces of glass. Which, like, like there are tattoos that, like, have and incorporate, like, pe like, you know what I mean? Like, it almost looks like that. It really, truly does. Like, it really is so good. Um, and it's also reminded me that I have to um, moisturize my other tattoos on this arm better. Because um, she looks super fresh and my other ones look dusty as hell so well okay i need I to mean, fresh ink is like always going to be a little bit different um, than but now it's getting to do my favorite like oozy gross second skin thing where i don't have to worry about it for five days and then on the sixth day it'll be almost completely healed which is my favorite thing about second skin bandages um but that no was it was so not my experience with mine I know. I feel bad that yours was, but I think because because you're talking about the one on your leg, right? Well, really, with the cannon too. Like, really, like it didn't. Oh, because I know with it, they don't always work the best with it's mostly line work. Like, it's really like when you have a lot of shading and color that is really beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, but like mine just heals so beautifully with the second skin. Like I, I always looked at it. It's more so that mine like always are not done healing like mine are still like scabbing and require a lot of like lotion and for like a week or so after just because like i guess i'm just dry i'm a dry dry human and then this will help this will make you happy too because you know it's been bothering me since basically the day that i got the day it happened um which is my very first tattoo my five line tattoo that i have on my wrist uh, which means more than just hockey stuff but it did it is a hockey related tattoo um had a dip in it since the moment that i got it done and it has always bothered me and i've either always forgotten to ask mackenzie or like something about my appointments have changed and so we haven't had a time to fix it and then today she was like girl we're fixing your line tattoo so that it stops bothering you and i'm telling you it looks like a whole new tattoo like, i really can't wait to see it yeah it looks terrible on like a screener because you just you have to know but it it looks like a whole other it looks like crisper and just makes so much more sense and it doesn't have that stupid dip in it anymore but so yeah so there's been you know a lot of ups and downs but it was a it was nice to kind of take a step away for a little bit so that we could do our things but mm -hmm. how are you doing well i'm recovering from a really nasty like upper respiratory something i don't know if it was like bronchitis or 
or like just like a really nasty like chest cold or what it was but um i probably still like sound like i have some remnants of it it's definitely gotten better over the last couple of days but um you do sound better i have to like i like was really rough uh, especially like I, I got really rough Saturday night into Sunday, which was the last night of the conference I was at. And then I got back home Sunday and I just was like, uh, uh-uh. this is not going to work. His direct text to me was, Oh, I am unwell. <laughs> was that really what I said? I honestly kind of don't remember like a lot of Sunday. Like Sunday was kind of a fever dream to me because I, well, frankly was probably feverish. Uh, and also like, on a bus with these kids like coming back from this trip which was great like it was really a, a good trip but I also like I know uh you know we talk about I feel like this is half the time a podcast about the work that we do and half the time a podcast <laughs> about the blue jackets but um you know it's you know I took our students down and you know half of the trip I was you know chaperoning essentially in the other half of the trip you know i dabble in speaking and like facilitating and that kind of stuff myself and so you know two of the days that we were down there like i had sessions myself and so like i was worrying about that stuff and so i was just like oh my god it's exhausting by the time i'm done too so i think my body was also just so tired and so um monday too i just i took monday off didn't go didn't leave my bed really um which was i've never done that since i started working I insisted. I was, was literally crazy. in the state that I was in, would have driven up to Michigan and locked him inside his home. Which, and to be fair, even before you insisted, I had already done it. I had already told <laughs> my boss I'm not coming in. So I was like extra proud of myself. Like I had already been like, nope. But uh, no, I mean, I'm doing okay though. I have had some like real wins, some real L's over the last few weeks. So we're just hoping that they keep the W's keep. Uh, outweighing the L's is what I'm hoping for here in the next few weeks. But, um, and then it was warm today before the thunderstorm. So that was really nice. It was like sunny and I went to a new coffee shop and got a lot done, uh, for a project that I'm working on at work, which was really lovely. And, you know, it's been nice to, uh, it's been nice to just this, this time off has been good. Like, I think it's like, you know, it's, it's gonna i think be necessary a couple of times over the next couple of weeks and months and so i think that like as we continue to learn how to roll with that like i'm embracing it and i think we're embracing it together and like i'm kind of like loving that part of like our friendship too like i think it's been like kind of organically cool like i think we've been doing it well i've like been kind of proud of our friendship through it all well yeah and it candid. is to be <laughs> candid and to be vulnerable and to let people into like our friendship outside of just like the podcast yes. like but like like i don't know like i feel like that's like a big thing for us too like it is because it is hard for us too because we truly genuinely love doing our show and doing things and it's just it has to be one of these times where we have to you know we have to step away for various things um to either take care of ourselves or just because situationally we, we can't, um, we are working behind the scenes to like figure out what that's going to look like over the course of the next few months. And like what we're going to do, we're not going to completely like 
ghost out or anything there will still and be also things we, we like talk to each other during these like this is the other piece of things like i feel like oh yeah like, like, no. all the, the like, friendship talk that we always tell them that we need to do more of we actually do when we're we've actually been doing a lot race. better of that yeah like um one, and i feel like that'll make a lot more sense as the why but like i feel like yes um and so that's been and i think i didn't say this to you and i knew you would appreciate it but like when we were talking last week before you went to AFLV and we were trying to figure out if we were going to record or not, or if we were going to, we still have another interview that we need to post from our hockey is forever one content. And you kept going, I don't think I can record, but I, I I'm going to get this episode out. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to let him say this out loud to me. And then at one o'clock the next day, I put up a post <laughs> that said, we're taking our own all-star break and we're not going to put anything out. We're not going to record. We're taking a break. We're definitely not at the beach, even though we wish we were. Um, Just because I didn't, we always go back and forth about putting pressure on each other to do things. And at this moment I was like, I'm just going to take it from him and have him not worry about it while he's, you know, chaperoning and facilitating and, changing the lives of the youth like i'm just gonna take it from him because i have that ability and he just doesn't need to worry about it so i took it from you and we are gonna you know schedule those things out for later dates um but it just wasn't a time where we needed to concern ourselves because a the the guys weren't playing um Mm -hmm. all-star weekend hadn't even started at this point and like it just wouldn't it just wasn't a necessary thing so it's about also reading each other in that way where we know each other so well that we can just make these decisions sort of one-sidedly correct and the brain cell that we share yes and even though sometimes the one-sided decisions are of an adverse reaction that one of us has made or had but we won't get into that um which makes for a lot of comedic friendship talks. Of course. Um, but yeah, so, and we love that everyone has been so, like, because we have had some presence on social media just here and there, but everyone's been so chill. And I think everyone liked this little breath of mm-hmm. fresh air from the team taking a break and everyone, except for a select few trying to keep some fires alive um, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But for the most part, it seems like everyone has gotten lots of nice rest and we'll be ready to jump back in the saddle when this episode comes out. And then when the blue jackets hit the ice again on Saturday. Well, Hey, you know, they say there's no rest for the wicked and the wicked they are. And here we are. So, um, we, <laughs> Like you said, Saturday is when it all happens, but uh, 32 games left in the year, 50 have been played. I know, no mathematician, but 82 minus 50, 32 games left. And so there's a lot past that midway point, (laughs) a little bit past that midway point, but there's a lot of room for improvement. And, and, you know, Laura, we talk about it. I literally just got done saying, sometimes I feel like half of the time, this is a job or a podcast about our jobs. Uh, we felt it appropriate that this year we take a look at 
the team at this point in the season and give them some midterm grades, player by player, run it down the list, and recognize that we've all had some shitty midterm grades before, but we've all gotten them up before, and we've all looked pretty good at midterm, and, well, frankly, we've we've tanked coming down to the finish line. So uh, there's obviously a lot of room for improvement, a lot of room for agreement, disagreement, things of that nature. And here's the piece of this. Uh, when we say it out loud, it is, um, it's permanent and it's in the ether. And if we're right, it's come back to it. And if we're wrong, forget we said it and don't ever listen to this episode again. Okay. Deal. Mm. Deal. Great. Okay, Laura. So um, we're going to get started with a player that had a pretty rough season last year, a player who I think play guys were, um, you know, disappointed to see struggle and folks were really excited to see how he would do coming into the season. Uh, you know, he got out of a potentially public relationship and, Coasted into his third year, it's Cole Sillinger. And, you know, there were questions about whether or not he was going to make this team coming into training camp. And, I mean, I don't want to give away my midterm grade too early, but I'll say that that feels kind of silly, pun intended, now that we're at this point thinking about the fact that this was a guy that people didn't know if he was going to be in this opening night lineup. Yeah, Cole's really been through it for the last, you know, 14, 16 months um over the course of his sophomore season and now into his third season with the Blue Jackets and like you said sophomore season was nothing to write home about like it was not great times and he knew that and the team knew that and coaches knew that and you know we said at the beginning of this that um of this season that he was really going to have to figure some shit out because no one can do that but him like he can have all the coaching in the world and all that sort of stuff, but he needs to figure out the type of player he wants to be, the type of game he wants to play, all that sort of stuff. And I think really over the course of the last two months of the season of the season so far, he has really started to come into his own and like, he's really being a dynamic teammate. He's having personal like gross and, you know, accomplishments and he's just seeming more and more like the person that we saw in his rookie season, but with an even more mature presence um, on the ice. And so I've been very impressed. Um, I still think that there's definite room for improvement for him, um, but he's he's ready for it. And he's I'm excited to see what these last 32 games look like for him. But I'm going to give him a B minus. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for, for Cole, I, he's really coming to his own, I think, especially like you said, in the last month or so. You know, I think he's been given the opportunity to step into a role that's a little bit more elevated in the lineup. But I think that's what we've all been waiting to see is that opportunity for him because I think we've all kind of thought that was the thing that was missing for him, right, is that chance. It's like, okay, like when he gets the opportunity, it's when he's going to take off. I think there's an argument to be made, and we'll talk about it maybe a little bit later, that like that's what you're waiting on for the opportunity for Ken Johnson or for players like that, right? And so, you know, 
you finally get that for Cole Cylinder, and he starts to take off, right? Like, and he's one of the players, and I know this is like a bullshit stat, but you know, it's worth noting to some extent that he's one of the few players on this team that has a positive plus minus rating. Like that's kind of like something to write home about, I do believe. And and to your point about, you know, looking like he did in his freshman season, I mean, yeah, he does to an extent. He's got, you know, eight goals, 11 assists for 19 points. He's got 32 games left to get up to his rookie season, which was 31 points in total. I mean, he could do it. I could see him getting 12 points in 32 games. Like that wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility for him at all. Right. Uh, you know, he could definitely, you know, match his goal total. He's got, you know, eight goals to catch up to his uh, goal total of 16 there in his rookie season. So we'll see if he does it, but I, I've been impressed by him. I, I think he's looked really good. And I really was impressed. Like to me, I noticed the biggest difference in his game watching him play when we had the opportunity to watch from, from the ice box, um, you know, being able to see up close, just like the way that he conducted himself also like from the bench and kind of like as a leader, like you could tell he was kind of taking, you know, front and center, you know, on the bench. He was, he was kind of conducting himself as a leader and that was fun to see. I, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a B plus. I, I think he's, I think he's performed pretty well. And so, you know, obviously he's got room for improvement, like you said, but so far I'm going to give Cole a B plus. Let's move, right. on. Let's move on to another kid who was born in central Ohio and that's Sean Crowley. I call him a kid, but he, I do believe he is older than me. Uh, and I also believe yeah. that is true. Yeah. Okay. Thank God. Um, oh, he wasn't born in Columbus, but he was raised in Columbus. Um, so swing and a miss on that one, but Born in Niagara Falls, New York, everybody, in case anybody wanted to know. Uh, but <laughs> Sean Corrali has played in 42 games so far this season. He's got seven goals, uh, six assists, and 13 points. Uh, you know, I, Sean Corrali is Sean Corrali. Like, it's, I have a hard time, I think, saying a lot about Sean Corrali. Like, and that's not, I don't know that that's a bad thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that that's like, a critique on his game. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that he, he's definitely not scoring as much this season as we've seen him score in seasons past. Um, so I'm sure for him, that may be a little bit frustrating, but he's also a pretty hard and fast veteran. I think sometimes people forget that about that because he does look a lot younger and, like, he's newer in veterans to the Blue Jackets and, like, Boone and stuff like that, obviously. But um, he's had a lot of time in the league. And he, I think, is merging into that role that it will be good for him, which is definitely that sort of defensive-minded, like, offense person or defensive-minded forward where he's going to be fourth line, like he's going to be that bruiser grinder situation that's like holding things together. And he's going to be a leader. Like he's gotten the opportunity this year to be an assistant or an associate captain. Um, And I think that's been really good for him. And as long as he stays healthy, because he has, um, he was sidelined for quite a bit with the rib injury. Um, but as long as he stays healthy, I mean, I don't see his trajectory really changing that much. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that he's doing what we want him to do and what we expect him to do. So, um, for me, I'm going to give him a solid 
B plus. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you a little bit on the offense here. I am gonna challenge Ooh. you and say that with the injuries that are happening in the Blue Jackets forward group, that he could end up having his highest goal total of his career this season. Before it's all said and done, he's got seven goals already this season. Fourteen is his total high. So with all if, right, I'll accept that challenge. Maybe like I, I'm like. It's, I think it's like putting my neck out there, like to say, like seven goals in 32 games. Also, like, that's also me, like, saying he stays healthy for 32 games, right? So, like, take that for what it is, too. But maybe he does it. I don't know. I think the other thing that he's, like, also suffered from, at least in terms of scoring, is he's not being utilized, I think, as much. Um, and like, period sorry like that's the end of the sentence like he's not on the ice as much his his ice time is down from last year uh pretty significantly a minute and about 20 seconds and from two years ago it's down about two minutes and 10 seconds i mean so like really significantly from his first year in columbus and so you know that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just you know a reality uh and so looking at that you wonder if he will if that'll just naturally go up with some of those injuries and maybe some of that production will go up as well, but uh, I'll give him a, I'll give him a B minus. I like we're, we're flipped on, on where we were from our first two. So uh, we're in disagreement there, but I think we're both pretty big fans of this next guy. Uh, Laura, I, I don't think he, he knows our names at all, but we know his and his name is Dmitry Vronkov. Dmitry Vronkov has been uh, a phenom for sure since he has made his debut with the Blue Jackets. He's played in 44 games. He's got 12 goals, 13 assists for 25 points. He's got a whopping plus five, which again, not like that stat matters anything significantly in the NHL. But when you look at this Blue Jackets stat line and you see a plus figure in that column, it's it's pretty alarming. Uh, <laughs> worth noting, 35 penalty minutes. You know, why not? Why not? But, you know, also worth noting, shooting percentage, 16.2%. That's pretty high. Like, uh, it's not, like, astronomically high, but it's high. Like, mm-hmm. Sean, Sean Crowley's was at 11.9, to put it in the perspective. Like, so, like. Yeah, he's not afraid to shoot the puck, which is a good thing. And we, well, and we, I mean. And I mean, like, that's, like, the amount of his shots that are going in the back of the net. So, right. like, I'm, like, at some point, I'm I'm assuming that number is going to go down. And so, like, maybe the scoring goes down at some point, but it's going well so far. Yeah, and I mean, if he's not the proof of what, of how important it can feel, it can be for you to feel loved and appreciated and welcomed in a situation, I mean... Two months ago, we were talking about the fact that he wanted to leave and he wanted to go back to Russia and he was not having a good time playing in Columbus. Um, And since that time, I mean, it's really seemed like his teammates have rallied around him. The fans have rallied around him. Like, you know, that there have been all of these efforts to make him feel so much more welcomed and accepted and like, so many more things offered to him to really help him adjust better. Because I think that that was just something that unfortunately fell through the cracks due to all the other things that have been happening in blue jackets land since this season started. And 
I mean, what a difference in this kid in these two months. And you can see how much he loves to be on the ice, how much he loves playing, how much he does not give a shit if he knocks someone over in just existing. Um, and, you know, I think that that's, it's just such an important um, thing that we've been able to turn this around for him. And I'm just excited to see what the last 32 games look like for him. Um, but I'm going to give him an A. I think that he is doing exactly what we wanted him to do. Um, and that he's shown that he can be like resourceful and he can be, even without being able to speak the language, he can learn how to speak the language of this team and be not only a dynamic person for like his specific line mates, but like just anyone who he's on the ice with. So I'm going to give him an A. I'm proud of him. Yeah, undoubtedly. And, and I mean, listen, he's got a little bit of a handicap in this category. So like there's some, there's something to be said about this and you can make an argument against it, but there's, there's a race to be had here between him and Boone Jenner toward the end of the season for who's going to lead this team in the most goals and probably the most points. Uh, and that's crazy. Uh, also, Johnny Goudreau will be a part of that conversation as well. Johnny Goudreau will actually probably lead in that conversation uh, more than likely in the points, I should say. But Dmitry Vronkov sits, like I said, at 12 goals. Boone Jenner's at 13 right now. But it, I see a scenario where Dmitry Vronkov – could score more. And with the injury to Adam Fantilli, right? Like it really does open the door for Dmitry Ronkov to be a guy who maybe, I mean, like if he catches fire in these last 32 games, like <laughs> could he be the highest scoring rookie in the league? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not like a 0% chance. Like he's not going to be the highest point getting like rookie in the league. Like I'm not saying that, but I'm talking goal getting rookie in the league i you know i don't have that pulled up right in front of me exactly what that current total is but uh, i'm sure that that gap has widened with the jackets break being as long as it has been being that they're on the back half of it but nevertheless uh, it has to be it has to be an a it has to be an a for dmitry Vronikov. it's mm-hmm. been impressive it's been impressive that even given all of the turmoil and bullshit that's been happening it seems like around the blue jackets it's not phased him and i'm i'm a big fan of that um man, uh we've got to talk about Adam Fantilli and you know I, I don't know if you talk about the injury now, you talk about it later. Uh we can do it however you want to. It's it's hard not to, I think, talk about it now and like do it like in jest, but to say that, you know, the season that Adam Fantilli has had maybe will be the season that he has in his rookie season. Uh and hopefully he gets a couple more games out of it before it's all said and done. The hope is that he does, but the injury that he suffered is one that frankly scares the absolute shit out of me for a lot of reasons. Like one, it just sounds absolutely gruesome. And two, because there's potential for long-term health effects from this as well. And so like you worry about whether or not that's going to potentially lead to long-term injury or like maybe limiting some of that potential like mobility of that calf muscle. And so, um, you know, a lacerated calf was the injury that he suffered against Seattle. I mean, obviously like, yeah. And it was (coughs) so random. Um, you know, I don't even think anyone thought he was injured at first. 
Um, yeah, he took, um, unfortunately, the very sharp end of Jared McCann's um, skate blade to the back of his calf on the ice. Like, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing, like, just a very standard collision on the ice um, on January 28th during the Columbus game versus Seattle, right before the end of, or right before the All-Star break was going to start. And it kind of looked like he got, like, a Charlie horse or, like, something because he just immediately grabbed his one leg but like you couldn't see anything there wasn't like blood anywhere um but we found out uh by the end of that game that um Jared McCann's skate blade had not only cut through um the sock and the tape but also the Kevlar sock that they wear underneath um and penetrated the skin and the muscle um and just and it's not a very big laceration i think they said it's like it's under um like an inch or so but it's that can be career ending had he caught you know tendons or any sort of that thing um but it was very scary and like i just feel so bad for him like you know he's been having such an incredible rookie season you know, it's been a little bit of up and down, but it's been that way with the team. But he's really coming into his own, and I'll talk about it a little bit later after um, we give more of his grade. But, um, you know, he's just really, he's finding himself in in this game and in this league. And to see him now have to be sidelined for at least eight weeks, which potentially puts him not coming back until uh, the beginning part of April, which would give him like eight, 10 games left in the season to play. Um, it just sucks. It just sucks. And I, I'm sure, you know, Chicago fans feel the same way about, you know, Connor Bernard's jaw injury because he's not been cleared to play yet either. And like, you just see these, these two rookies, and I'm pretty sure isn't Leo Carlson injured right now too? Yeah, he got injured. I don't know. I think he's still out, or he might have just gotten cleared recently to skate. I can't yeah, just see you know these top three guys like you know who have who are the future of this sport like all get sidelined at kind of the same time um, is really disheartening. But I mean, up until this point, Adam has been just such a solid and bright light for this team through all of the shit, through all of the ups and downs. Like you can always find something positive to talk about when it comes to Adam Fantilli. And, you know, I think because there's always room for improvement and he's a rookie and all this sort of stuff. And he's been going back and forth on like what position he's playing. I'm going to give him a solid B for so far. And I know some people will probably be like, oh my God, that's terrible. But like, I don't think it's terrible. I think for his rookie year, for the situation he's been put in, and there have been some moments where he himself will tell you that he could have been better. Um, I think a B fits, but you may disagree. I mean, I, I do think a B might be a little bit low. Like, I think I would go a little higher. Like, I don't think I would say like an A plus. Like, I, I think that like there's definitely some room for improvement there. But um, you know, I, yeah, I, I think like losing this part of, of the season for him, it sucks. Right. Like, I mean, 
this is 32 games. I mean, it might not seem like it's a lot, right? But it's so much of his development at this point in his career. And to not be able to have that is, is massive. And, you know, I know you say like, you know, he's between which position does he play? But I, I think Adam kind of knows the position he plays. I think really like it's more between like, you know, trying to figure out, you know, whether or the not coaching staff. The coaching staff knows what position he plays. But um, but nevertheless, right? Like I think that he's done everything you expected him to and more. And at times, like he's been the only person on this team that's given you any sort of hope offensively like before you had the Russian line giving you anything like Adam Fantilli was your only hope because Johnny Goudreau wasn't going like you know what I mean like who was it like who was it that was giving you any sort of excitement like or will to live as a Blue Jacket fan like it was Adam Fantilli like so for that reason alone like I think you have to give him an A minus I think that he's excelled I think that he uh, like I think that he would have just like gotten to the end of this season and i think by the end of this season i don't think he would have won the calder i think that somehow like even if he would have like had the numbers for it even like because of connor bedard's injury like i still think the hype of bedard would have would have won it for him but i it still would have been a competition i think if he would have been able to stay healthy because i think he would have just caught fire at some point and i think also like the coaching staff would have figured out how the fuck to use him a little bit better in certain scenarios so um I'm going to go A minus for him. Uh, and then you got to go to a guy who's, who's not, who's kind of the opposite of a rookie, right? Like you got to go to a guy who's maybe like one of your most, like your foremost veterans on your team. You, you got to go to Johnny hockey. You got to go to number 13, the guy who you pay a lot of money, who started the season uh, pretty piss poor. Uh, and he would probably tell you that. I think a lot of people would tell you that, but thankfully, I mean, he found his game pretty, you know, about halfway, um, well, I guess I should say a quarter of the way through the season, um, halfway through this current segment of the season, I should say. Um, and, you know, looking at, you know, the last handful of games here, Laura, I mean, he's got seven points in the last, uh, it looks like seven games, right? Ish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just been pretty consistent. Uh, he's just found it recently. He's He's got seven goals, 25 assists. 32 points in 50 games played this year, but you know, obviously he's not generating as much as you would want him to. I think the expectation is he's scoring more. Uh, and I'll like kind of jostle this up a little bit, our like order here and, and just go by saying what I think I say, like every time we do this, which is saying like, when you have a role, that expectation, like to me is that you meet that role. And if you meet that role, like that's like your average to me. And that's C. Mm. And I think because of the fact that like he is performing, like I think at a clip below that pace, like you've got to start the conversation at a C minus at this point, recognizing that there's that potential to grow um, up into that B, B conversation, B minus conversation, probably not getting much higher than that though. Like we're talking, we're, we're getting late points at that point. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, like, I'm giving B, like, C minus is where we're at right now at the midterm, but I, it could get up to a B minus, but C minus right now. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go a C plus um, just for his play in the last few weeks before leading up to the All-Star break. Um, but, yeah, he he just was going through it, and it was noticed by everyone, but more particularly by himself. You know, he 
you know, would tell you that he was not playing his type of hockey. He was not playing the way that he's expects himself to play. And he, you know, like we always try and reiterate, this is so much more than just the physical part of the game. Like it is so mental. It is so, as much as you try to push it out, things in your personal life can be affecting your gameplay and, you know, things on the team in general, you know, the obvious, obvious issues that the team came into with this season, him being, you know, a veteran player on this team. Um, while he doesn't wear a letter, he still is a voice in that room. And um, I just think it's such, he's still adjusting to what it looks like to be Johnny Gaudreau as a Columbus Blue Jacket versus Johnny Gaudreau as a Calgary Flame. Like, I I very much so think that they are two different people. Like, he did all of his growing up in Calgary, and now he's entering into his, like, older brother leadership component, but still being this all-star talent um, as well. And it's just, it's going to take a little bit of time. Like, Rome wasn't built in a day, and adjusting to such a different set of situation or set, set of scenarios uh, can be hard for an athlete. And so um, I'm going to go C plus. Um, I definitely think there's room to improve. I definitely think he will continue to improve. I don't think we're getting, like you said, to like a level status. Um, but, you know, if the team continues to do what it needs to do and continues to grow, I think Johnny will find his way into a very solid place on this team and start start finding that balance between the two roles. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go C plus C plus. And Hey, there are a lot of classes in college that I've been really happy with the C plus. And so that is true. We'll take it. We'll take it. Um, okay, Laura. So next up, we're going to go with Justin Danforth. So this is a guy who has gotten a lot of attention this year. I know he's a favorite of yours for sure. Um, so he's he's had a lot of uh, attention this year. Uh, he's got nine goals, 10 assists, 19 points, and 50 games played. Your thoughts so far this year on Justin Danforth? Yeah, I think just Danforth is doing exactly what we wanted him to do. Like, um, I know a lot of people went back and forth in the preseason about whether or not he would get a spot on the team just based on how our – you know, roster looks. Um, but I think he's worked his ass off for every minute of play, regardless of what line um, Pazzi puts him on, whether that be the top line or the fourth line or the second line or the third line, because he's played every single line um, this season. Um, and I think he's just, he's a workhorse. Like he goes out every single night and plays and tries to give a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. Like, we've talked before about his story, but, like, that's just who he is as a person. Like, that's how he got here. That's how, like, and that's nothing about that is changing. So you can underestimate Justin Danforth as much as you want. But, like, for what we need him to do right now, he's doing it. Um, So I'm going to give him an A. So I, like, was thinking about this, like, as we are, like, I'm kind of like finding myself as we're doing this, like thinking, trying to think a player ahead, like just so I like know, like roughly, like who we're on, right? And like as I was thinking about 
Justin Danforth, I was like, I like remember him like playing really well. He has played really well. But then where did he go? And so then I just looked at it. Well, he was. So listen to this. So I did the numbers. In the month of December, uh-huh. when everybody was talking about Justin Danforth, in 14 games played, he had three goals, five assists, eight points. So eight points in 14 games. Like for the role that he plays, like I'll take that every day. January, 12 games played, zero goals, one assist, 12 games played. Like he's been almost like a ghost in terms of like the score sheet. And I know that that's not like exactly what he is supposed to do, but like, again, like this, this is kind of the issue, right? Like, because what is he, is he the guy who is your first line, like winger, who's like playing on your score? Like, and I know that you're like, you're going to try to sell me like he's a versatile guy that you can play in a bunch of different scenarios. And I hear that and I see that and I don't disagree with you, but like, I, I need I need to see a little bit more out of Justin Danforth, I think, out of, like, the month of January. Like, I think he's cooling off a little bit, and I want to see him, like, pumping the gas a little bit, especially, again, with some of these injuries that we know we have to push forward through coming out of the All-Star break. And, you know, I think the Fantilli injury didn't affect us too much, like, with that last couple of games coming out of the – out of the injury and like into the all-star break, but we're going to really start to feel that <laughs> quickly. And so, especially at the center position. And so Justin Danforth is probably going to be every now and again, flop back in and forth between playing wing, playing center. Who knows? It's you're going to be your favorite time of year, Laura. Are you going to give him a grade? Uh, well, sure. I'll do that. Um, <laughs> you know, you're fine. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give him a, Solid B plus so far. B plus for Justin Danforth. Um, next up on this list would be Matthew Olivier. I'm just like not like really like the. Well, Olivier is hard because he doesn't he doesn't play consistently. He is right. definitely one of the guys that we cycle in and out, and we're going to have a couple of those um, as Coming we continue up. through this list. So I don't really think it's fair to give him a grade. Um, give him a high five. Yeah, I more so give him like what's it called? Like, like a, yes, like so. We'll probably have more to say because again, based off injuries, he's probably going to be playing more in the next thirty ga- thirty two games than he has in this first fifty. So um, we'll probably have a better way of grading him at the end of the season. But it's just not fair to grade him based off of how he comes in and out of the the roster so and i mean he has been in in 23 games i mean like he's he's seen a decent amount of ice time but i mean like you said it's it's been so sporadic so we'll see how that changes in the second half it'll be interesting though because i mean the guys who are out like they're not the olivier type so it's going to be interesting to see if vincent just like rolls next man based on the fact that like he wants to do that or if he gives some of the guys in cleveland like the malatestas the like if some of those guys maybe start to get some opportunities will be but that also depends too on how 
conversations with Cleveland goes based on their current situation, which is ideally much better than ours. Yeah, that's fair. So like, and I really think that as much as people and ourselves can disagree with how management has done certain things, I do think that they have regretted the last couple of years where they've really sort of fucked Cleveland over at the end of the season where we've had to pull from them so hard and it's like ruined opportunities for them. Um, I do think the good thing about like, I think the proximity thing though, is like there are ways that you can facilitate it to where, because you're so close. If you've got a game where like, say you got a weeknight game at home, if you don't have a game in Cleveland, you could maybe have somebody come up for a game just to give them a chance to see what they look like at the NHL level and send them back. But I don't disagree with you. Like, I don't think you want to give them in Cleveland. I don't think you want to like take the chance away from them to like really play for something meaningful because I think that can be developmental. Um, So we'll see where that goes. Uh, I hope, I hope God, I hope they really do do something in Cleveland this off season or this post season. Um, All right. You ready to talk about the cap? I'm always ready to talk about the cap. I love him so much. I know you do. I know you're a big fan of the cap. So he's played in 35 games. He's been a big goal scorer, but not much of an assist guy. 13 goals, five assists. Uh, You know, again, he's been out for um, 15 games so far this season. So it felt like so many more than 15. Yeah, no kidding. It felt like just the longest fucking time that he was not on the ice. Like, just so, so long. Um, but he's, he, yeah, he's back now. He, I don't think he might still need to wear the cage when they come, when they go back out on Saturday. I don't know, but he did wear it the whole time for the All-Star. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but for what he's been there and for what we've seen, and this is kind of always the thing with Boone is that he's always doing like really solidly. And then he gets straddled with this just like crazy, bizarre injury that like takes him out in such a, in such a way. Um, You know, obviously he's had his issues with his back where he was like so upset that he couldn't continue to play. Like, and then even, you know, wanting them to wire his jaw, his jaw shut and give him a cage, like right after um, his jaw got broken and wanting to go out and play. Like he's just, he's everything I think you want a blue jacket to be right now. And um, I don't, I don't, we can talk about it when we get closer to the trade deadline, honestly, but I don't really want to talk about all these people that are like, it would be a great decision to trade Boone, like all this sort of stuff. We're not going to talk about that, but um, I think he's done what we've asked him to do. Um, I think there's a little bit of he'd like to be more consistent as far as like assists and everything are considered. Uh, so he can be a more well-rounded captain and team player sort of situation. But like, I'm never going to steer away from a dirty in the crease Boone Jenner goal that like helps us rally back together or lights a spark in this team when we really need it. Um, so I'm going to give him an A minus. I'll take it. Yeah. Boone Jenner, you know, 
he he is the epitome, I think, of of this team. And I mean, like, I do think that as a Blue Jackets podcast, we do owe it to ourselves and to our listeners to probably talk about Boone Jenner trade scenarios at some point in the near future. But the trade deadline is March eighth, so there's yeah, plenty of time. Less than a month away, my friend. Um, but I mean, I. It's it's just a fascinating thing. I mean, like, especially because you consider, like, the Blue Jackets don't exactly, like, need to get any younger. So, like, I don't know if it's a good idea to do that. But nevertheless, I mean, the thing I worry about is, like, Boone, Boone keeps getting all these injuries that, like, make me worry over and over again. That, like, he is going to be more and more apprehensive to do the things that make Boone Jenner so special as a hockey player. And, like, that's what makes me a little nervous. And, like, those Dirty Boone Jenner goals that you're talking about that you love that he gets, I I love I love when he gets them, too. I'd love if he got one soon. He's been held off of the score sheet since December 3rd, uh, obviously. I mean, like, 15-game gap there. Um, but, I mean, he was held scoreless in the three games, uh, you know, that he went, you know, before his injury and then has been held scoreless after his injury and so um it's hard to it kind of rattles my brain to like think about the fact that he's been back for six games already that feels like incorrect to me it feels like it should be six yeah he came back against the devils they played six games from the 19th to the 30th which is sounds it's it's right but it's i thought it was only three but because that west coast swing was a lot of games and a it few was a lot of games. Days. Um, but I mean, he had a lot of ice time, and I, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a B. I'm gonna go with a B. I, I think that I, and it's not his fault. I just like, I am a little exhausted of the like. Boone Jenner getting first line and again it's not his fault like that's like not like it's just like not like the like it's just not who he is and that's why honestly this trade talk that's why it happened with Nick Felino too right like that's why it happens with these Blue Jackets players that end up being top line forwards for us it's because they're third line forwards on a Stanley Cup contending team and that's what everybody thinks somebody needs to win a Stanley Cup as a third line forward who's a veteran and who's frankly like never won anything so like apparently that's the formula to win a stanley cup and it doesn't work half the time so like that's why people are talking about boone jenner right as being this player and that's like what he's been and so i'm just a little exhausted by it and so that's a bias i'm giving that caveat that the b there is a bias to that so understandable moving on to a player that i frankly would would have originally nominated for most disappointing player of the year outside of like your normal suspects of like your like Emil Bemstrom's of the world. But like Alexander Texier has like somewhat found it a little bit over the course of the last like couple weeks. Couple weeks. But like eight, eight, sixteen in his return season back. Um you know, 48 games played. He's only missed two games. Um, 16 points. He's found some chemistry in, in a couple of situations, which I think has been really helpful. I think it's been 
encouraging. I think he has fell, fallen victim to that curse that you talk about all the time, which is like being a member of the duo that has chemistry that then gets paired with somebody who like is supposed to be like the third that makes you can it work. say it. You could say it and then gets paired with Jack Rosselvick. I disagree with your concept and philosophy, so I'm not going to fucking say it. So, Well, one day you will know that I am right because it, he is the common denominator, but it's it's fine. This is your grade. Well, is it? It's your grade. You're making the decision. I'm just saying that in your... What's your grade? Did, did you, you give your grade? Well, no, not yet. Maybe I was waiting to hear what yours was so I could make my oh. No, I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to say my... something similar. It's just that, like, text, it took a while. Yeah. But similar to the Vronkov situation, I think it makes a world of difference when these people, especially someone like Tex, who did have to step away from the team for, you know, some mental health, self-care, family situations. Um, and to come back and the team be basically entirely different than what it was um, when he left. Uh, I think him being pseudo adopted by the Russians has really made an impact on him. And he feels like he has like people, like he feels like he has people to connect to and hang out with. And like, again, I think one day if I ever write anything, about sports again it's gonna be like how much deeper all of this is to players connecting with a team and connecting with a system and connecting with this league when they're coming from the furthest points of the world and just being dropped into you know these types of situations like it's just it's astounding to me that people don't think about it that way as much as they should but anyway, that's for another time. I think him finding these connections and finding a, a bit of a home here has what has helped him um, better develop his play and show us the things that we know that we can see from Tex, which has been over the last couple of weeks. So it's not really fair to see those last couple of weeks and be like, oh, he's doing exactly what we want him to do because it's been a struggle to get to this point. So for me, you know, if you use your example of like C being the baseline and like then looking at the majority of what the whole first half of this or first three quarters of this looks like, I'm going to have to give him a C minus. Like the, the consistency just isn't there yet. Not saying it can't be by the end of the season, but you know. There's definite room for improvement, but I think he's headed in the right direction. Yeah, I, and I tend to agree. I do think that he has found it. I think I'm going to go see. Like, I think that he is there. I, I think that – I don't know what I expect from him. Like, when when he came back, like, I didn't know what I was expecting from him. Like, I think I was really high on him because, frankly, like, I was really high on him when he left. Like, I think that, like, I was really hoping that, you know – he was going to be somebody who made a difference in Columbus. And so when he came back, I was hopeful, but I wasn't going to be too uh, broken up about the fact that like, if he came back and he wasn't ready to like make a huge impact that like, it wasn't going to break my heart. That said, I do think that like 
his immediate impact was pretty uh, low key. <laughs> and so like, I'm glad that that impact has, has picked up. Uh, so C I'm going to go with C uh, there for, for checks, but uh, Laura, how about somebody whose impact like hasn't really. Sorry. I forgot I was muted. Picked up. Um, yeah. Emil Bamstrom should not be playing in the NHL. All right. Next. Yeah, I'm. I'm not giving him a grade because yeah. I, he shouldn't. He should be playing in the AHL. He was thriving in the AHL. Um, it is not translating over. And some players are like that, right? Like, I mean, like, maybe it's just like the. It could honestly be the Blue Jacket system that they're running. Like, and that's fine. Like, that could be the case. And like, he could land in an AHL system that works for him. But it's not Columbus, and it's not going to work. And it's fine. But like, that's that's where that's at. But if he's still here by the end, then we can talk about it. But yeah, he shouldn't be playing in the NHL right now. I tend to agree. And I have to I have to pay an apology here to Igor Chinikov because Igor Chinikov currently leads the team in goals at 14. I was not paying any respect to the West Coast swing because he had three goals in those five games, two against Seattle, one against Calgary. So uh, he did jump over uh, our good buddy, Shuvaronkov uh, <laughs> there. But he is at 14, 10, and 24. So, um, you know, in 39 games played, like, that's pretty impressive. I mean, like, he's really come on. Like, he's probably been, like, outside of, you know, I think his – compadre um his comrade interesting choice but correct let's try that again let's go back let's go back let's try that again but outside of his comrade dimitri like he's been the most impressive forward to this point like he's he's definitely exceeded my expectations pretty um pretty extensively and so i'm gonna i'm gonna give him honestly i'm gonna give him an a plus yeah, I'm also going to give him an A+. Like, I don't have much more to say other than, like, I'm just so impressed and I'm so happy for him that he, it's, you know, he has struggled just as much as Cole. Um, but I think more attention was paid to Cole in this situation. And for him to finally start showing all the things that we've been promised from him and like just really showing it, um, I think is astounding. And I love seeing him happy and seeing him, you know, feeling proud of himself. So a plus is all around for you or to F minus to me because Kirill Marchenko is leading the blue jackets and goals. with fifteen. <laughs> you are really, we're, we're struggling today. It's 1222 AM. It is. Yeah. Give me a break. Um, uh, in 48 games played, I was uh, Igor Chinikov's leading the Blue Jackets in goals scored per game. Okay, it's okay, I forgive you. You know, I don't, stats are not my thing. So, anyway, so Kromarchenko, who has been excellent in his second season, he has certainly figured out how to pass the puck. He's got 10 assists, so he's already equaled his points total from last year, and the sky's the limit. He's got 32 games left to keep racking up the points. Um, I mean, he's got six more goals to equal his goal total from last year, so, I mean, I think he's probably going to do that. I mean, he could potentially. I don't know if he's going to hit the 50-point plateau. Like, I don't know if he's – 
going to do 25 and 32. Well, frankly, I don't know if any of our offense is consistent enough to do that. Like, no tea, no shade, but... Some tea, some shade. All tea, all shade. But, uh, Laura, what what say you about Kirill? Well, I was going to say Kirill the Thrill, but that's definitely not his nickname. That's that's no. Kirill Kaprizov, and we can't... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. No, I mean, I, I don't think that if you were to ask him, he would think that he is living up to the potential that he wanted for his second season. Um, But I think he's showing us just as much of what we loved about watching him play in his rookie season that he is, you know, in his second season. I think it's just been kind of slower um, because he didn't have that time in the AHL um, to like get back into the groove of things. So I think that's where we're seeing the like, slower rollout of stuff but I think he's gonna come back for this um second half of game or second third of games um and really impress us but I know for sure that he knows that he thinks that there's room for improvement um so I'm gonna give him a B and he'll probably work his way up to A I like I was gonna say B plus for Margie I think that works. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. Let's go to KJ. Oh, goodness. Let's go to KJ. He's got 34 games played, six goals, nine assists, 15 points. Um, Laura, can I share something with you? Always. I, like, think I'm a hater, and I need to unlearn that. Like, I'm not a hater. Like, I just think that, like... I just don't, like, I'm not, it's not the vibe. You're just not feeling KJ's vibe? I'm just not. Like, I just, like, I don't know. You know, I think that he's definitely, like, finding some rhythm. Like, I definitely think that he's finding a way to influence games and impact games. I mean, like, he's definitely shown moments. I, You know, I, I listened to the 32 Thoughts episode the other day, and they were talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois' issues in... LA and they're talking about how like part of it is that like a lot of people see that Pierre-Luc Dubois like just takes nights off when he's just like not excited about it or doesn't want to do it and I just kind of like sometimes like feel that way about Kent like and I don't know if I'm wrong about that but like it just feels that way but like on the nights that he turns it on he really turns it on right like it reminds me of like the game that he had against Toronto, like reminds me of like that Hatcher game that like PLD had against Toronto. Right. Like, it's just like that kind of thing that like, I, I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but it's just that same kind of energy that I think of. I mean, like I, I'm wanting to see more out of him at this point in his career. Like I, I know he's young. I, I don't want to put too much weight on his shoulders to do something that I can't fucking do. Like, again, like I have to just like fully own that and say that, right. Like I can't even, I can't lace it up. Right. Like here we are, but I'm going to go. I I like feel like D plus, like that sucks. Like I I hate to say it. Well, if you hate to say it, I hate to say it as much because I feel very similarly. Like, um, I think he is a very apathetic person. His personality is very apathetic. Um, And if he's not into it, he's not going to give 100%. 
And you could not have compared him to a more accurate player than to PLD and PLD's time here in Columbus, his time in Winnipeg, and now his time in LA where fans are fans and teams are quickly figuring out that he, unless situations and circumstances are perfect, he's not going to give you a hundred percent. Well, like, I don't know if they like, I, I don't know if he will ever give anybody hundred percent. Like, I think that that's just like kind of like the MO, right? Like, I mean, right. I think that that's just like, and I think that this is something too, that, cause I think this is a, a change in opinion somewhat for you. I think I was a little bit more this way last year because I just always felt that there was this weird cockiness that came from Kent that wasn't quite deserved because he had this level of success in college that didn't necessarily translate to the NHL immediately or since. And like, yes, you can, these are all people who play in the NHL are like incredibly talented, have worked really hard to get there. But sometimes you have to realize that you're not going to be a 19 year old kid. Like not every 19 year old who comes into the NHL is God's gift to hockey. Like, and I think parts of Ken's personality are kind of like that. And he hasn't gotten, my hope is that he gets humbled enough to stop being apathetic and start realizing that what a gift and what a privilege it is to be in the NHL. But I'm just not impressed. And so I'm going to agree. What'd you give him a D plus? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm good. Got it. All right. Last, but certainly not least Rosie, Jack Rosovic, number 96, but number one in your hearts. Uh, you know, in 27 games played, he's got a whopping two goals, eight assists, and 10 points. I'm over it. I get it. Like, D minus. Okay. I don't, like, there's nothing, I've said all I can say about Jack Rosovic. I get it. Like, I am over it. I know other people who I love dearly, Morgan, you, are much more, like, Jack Rosselvick stands than I am, but I'm over it. Like, it's not that I'm like a stan, like, it's like I'm ho- I was like hopeful, like, you know what I mean? Like, and I like say was because, like, I think that at this point, like, there's nobody that I'm so attached to that I would tell you, like, I like can't see a world where they're not a blue jacket, like, aside from like Adam, Fan- you know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, the ones, right? Um, I mean, like. I know that, like, I would even put Boone Jenner on the list of people who, like, wouldn't, I wouldn't even be, like, devastated, where I know that, like, other people, like, would put him on the list of people who, like, that's their no list, but um, he's on my, like, really can fucking convince me list, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, like, he's definitely not done anything. Now, like, injuries, like, uh, like, obviously, like, he broke his legs, like, I mean, like, I can't, like, let that, like, go without being said, like, that's going to impact a lot of his game. And even when he comes back, like that's going to affect the way he skates. It's going to affect, you know, his comfortability skating, things like that. And so, I mean, I'm still going to give him a D, (laughs) but like, I just had to say it, right. Like I just had to like say it to like, try to like help him out. I don't know, but Laura, how about just like for fun? I don't think we've ever done it this way before. Like forward core, just like real quick, like no explanation to it. Just like letter grade go. 
C plus. C minus. Not super far off. Yeah, no. Nope. I would agree. So, Laura, we killed the forwards. Now, let's shift to the defensemen. All right, Laura. So, we're starting with a doozy here. Because <laughs> the pattern is the same, chronological by number. Defenseman Andrew Peak. Now, Andrew Peak has played 20 games. So. Yeah. It's not really fair. I mean, I don't think we should grade him. If we're working on grade Matthew Olivier, I don't think we should grade Andrew Peak right now either because there's just not enough of a case study. He's held out of the lineup so often. Um, and truly, I haven't been crazy impressed when he has been in the lineup. But I think maybe we wait and save if or if he is here at the, by the end of the season. No, I, I totally agree. There have been rumors that there are teams that are interested in. Okay. I don't know how, because they haven't seen enough of him playing on our ice to really do it. But, hey, more power to you if you're willing to take Andrew Peek off our hands. Yeah, so. no, with, without a doubt. Come on through. Uh, so then we'll shift on over to uh, a guy who has really turned into just a, a real mainstay leader in this franchise and a guy who will just, you know, Oh, we'll we'll be one for a while, and that's Zach Wierenski, who has played in 38 games this year. So he's he's been out for 12. Uh, I feel like why do I feel like everybody's been out for 12 games this year? Like what's going on there? It seems uh, to be a popular number. Yeah, what the fuck? Um, so one goal, 27 assists, uh, 28 points in total. I, I'll be honest with you, like that's the quietest 27 assists I think I've heard of. Like it's just it kind of reminds me of Jake Voracek in a way where it's just like you know. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I miss Jake so much. You and me both. Fuck. <laughs> hey, Jake. Um, but it just, yeah, it just reminds me of him in that way where it's like, man, he just really does have so many assists. Uh, and, and you know what's fascinating? And this is what, I mean, I, I've got to, I'm just curious now. I've got to look. Um, so looking at this. So um going to read you off some numbers, Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to guess what they are. Okay, so ten point seven, eight point nine, seven point seven, seven point three, six point six, five point nine, five point one, one. Is that his shooting percentage? You're so good. Yeah, that's his shooting percentage. Um, and that's his shooting percentage for his career. So throughout his, you know what I mean? So his average is 6.8 through his career. So I mean, like, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, the one, that's this year. 1%. Uh, so his one goal, he's got 99 shots on net. He's got one goal. Um, so the guy is due... Uh, so that one goal is a number that is going to haunt him until the floodgates open. And once they do, I mean, like, it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year, Zach Wierenski, as long as he stayed healthy, if he had 10 goals, like it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, I agree. But again, it's, it's this conversation that we have all the time about Zach is it's, and it, it's the, if he stays healthy and I know that defensemen are so much more injury prone than any other player on the ice. 
Um, and he puts himself in situations that are risky. But my God, I would love to see Zagorunski play 80 games. <laughs> like, I would love for that to happen. Hell, I'd love for Zagorunski to play 75 games. Like, I just don't think in the entire time that I've been a fan of this team that he has played over 60 games in a season. I Now, hey, now, for what it's worth, in 16-17, which was the year that you would have first... No, 17-18. Okay, anyway. 16-17, he played 78 games. In... 1718 he played 77 games. In 1819 he played all 82 games. In 1920 I'm, Okay, I'm being harsh, but in the last 3 <laughs> years in 2122 he played 68, but like even that like still 14 games out is rough. But I also don't know if any of that has to do with COVID. It's rough also just because he is our number one defenseman. We really need him to play hockey. Yeah, we just really need him to play hockey. Especially when we refuse to believe that a guy who is in our top four defenseman is in our top four defenseman. Correct. We're like, no. So, like, we'll talk about him even though he's not technically on this list. Yes. But. No. Um, yeah. I just, and I I have really grown to love Zach. I think having a leadership role has done a lot of good for him, but I need him to stop getting injured. (laughs) And that's just, I would love for him to play the remaining 32 games. (laughs) Be nice, wouldn't it? So I would just love that for all of us. Um, But yeah, it's been kind of like you, you were right in the, sort of quiet on the assists, but like still a decent number. Um, But Zach's an an offensive defenseman and you know that he's not pleased with one goal. Um, And so I'm going to have to go C minus. Wow. C minus is pretty harsh. I'm going to like, that was was a little harsher than I thought you were going to go. Um, so we'll shift to a guy who I'm actually like alarmed to learn is my age. Did um, you give Zach a grade? No. Um, I'll go with you. I am unmedicated right now, folks. And so I think this happens every year around this time. I do lapse on my medication for my ADHD and I do forget to grade people roughly around half, like a half to a three quarters of the way through the show. So I know, but if I'm the only one grading it, then it's just like Laura's a mean girl. No. Yeah. You absolutely have to tell me to grade them. Like, absolutely. Thank you for telling me to do that. Um, let's go with for Zach. I'm going to go with a B minus. Oh, we are far divided. On yeah. That one. I'm going to go with a B minus so far. Um, the goals are going to come. I don't think it's on him. Like that's just bad luck. Like, right. I understand that. But to say the goals are going to come, you, I, I can't justify giving him a higher grade based on what is luck. It's luck. It's just all luck. Um, so we'll move on to a guy who I, like I said, I'm shocked to learn is my age. Um, and that's Ivan Provorov. And he has played in all 50 games this year. 
shockingly is like the opposite side of that coin consistently really healthy like alarmingly really healthy like i think has only ever missed in an nhl season like i don't know how many games the flyers played in the year before the covid like canceled it but like potentially has only missed three nhl games in his career wow and has played in 582 that's actually i don't pay ivan provorov any compliments that's pretty impressive for a defense defense man that's pretty impressive um so he started the season pretty hot in terms of uh you know finding the score sheet but he slowed down quite a bit in this uh you know starting toward this back half of the season aside from that you know that two goal game that we were there for (laughs) against seattle at home but you know he's Sitting there at four goals, 19 assists, 23 points in total. He's been one of the more consistent scorers, though, like, which is crazy. But, you know, he's been a liability at times. He's obviously contributed offensively at times. There are things to like, things to not like about the game that he's brought. Like, where do you find yourself? Like, when we're talking about the, like, just, I know how we both feel about the off the ice, but um, I mean, it's a real ebb and flow with him. Like, I think it's he is also weirdly apathetic in some ways too. And I think when he wants to do well, he does well. But when he does not care, he does not care, and he is really shown that, especially in the third period, sometimes where he just doesn't care. And he becomes a defensive liability to us, um, particularly when it comes to like turnovers and just not putting in any effort to chase after the puck. Like, you know, there's a lot of empty net goals that potentially could have not existed if Ivan Provorov would have just skated more than just leisurely, like after the puck. Um, and so that's really frustrating to me because. Like, much like it's frustrating with KJ, like, fucking give a shit. Like, you are making millions of dollars to play in this league. Fucking give a shit about it. Um, But, I mean, there have been times where he's, like, like we said, when he wants to, he wants to. So, um, I don't know. I guess this is probably what they wanted from him in some way, shape, or form. I don't really know. Like, because I don't really understand who he is as a player. From I, Like, I never knew anything about him in Philadelphia other than personal things. And so I don't really know what they were wanting him to bring to our defensive core. So, but they never seemed to have any problem relate with him um so i guess see from like a management coaching standpoint he's doing what he's supposed to be doing yeah i mean it's one of those things where i feel like there are nights where like 
it, there's usually never a middle ground. It's never like a oh I didn't like really like notice like Ivan Provorov. It's usually like I noticed Ivan Provorov because like he was really like impactful in this moment or in that moment, or it's like because like I noticed that he was like absolutely shitting the bed in another. So it's like I, I like I feel like though I found myself on the end of more of those like latter moments than the former, where it's like I think that there have been more like of those shitty moments. And so for that reason, I'm going to go a little bit on the other side of that. And I'm going to go C minus just on the barely on the other side. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely room for that to go above a C minus for sure. Maybe even above a C, you know, I think to your point, like what do they bring them in to do? Like, I think like be responsible enough, you know, top four defensemen who could contribute offensively, but also like not be a liability but i mean like he is a liability defensively at times so like there's nothing you can do or say about that like that's just a reality so i think you know, we're looking for another guy who is going to potentially be a threat on the power play like which tells you that they don't trust adam boquist like i don't know I, there's just a lot there but i digress we're gonna roll that do you want to call it magical bean footage like i don't know what you call it but it's definitely jake bean and it's <laughs> He's played footage. 47 games. Yeah, it's footage. Uh, and he's got four goals, four assists. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a defenseman. We're not just here to talk about how many goals and assists he's had. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, there have been games where Jake Bean has, like, looked pretty good defensively. There have been games where he hasn't. Uh, you know, there have been stretches where Jake Bean has just, like, been, like, absolutely unnoticeable. Uh, and, like, I mean, he scored in the first game of the season. He scored the first – actually, I think he scored the first goal of the season for the Blue Jackets, uh, which is asinine. But, you know – He's, I'm just, I'm like, he is the defenseman out of that, like, conglomerate. Like, I would say Andrew Peek is, yeah, well, like, I don't know. I think Andrew Peek has actually probably solidified himself as probably the one that I think is, like, the least, like, of my, like, preference. But, you know, I I don't think Jake Bean is far off there. Like, I, I think it's a coin flip for me, depending on the day. And, you know. I would probably go like D plus C minus. I would say like, he's at like a 70% C minus. Like we're like real close, like to like, it was real harsh C minus like. Yeah. I mean, I don't have really much other to say to that. Cause there is kind of like this trio of defensemen that he's definitely played the most out of the three of them. Um, some obviously just being benched Andrew Peak, some because of injury, because Adam Boquist again is a China doll. Um but like yeah, I am gonna go same C minus. Just nothing really to write home about. Yeah. Yeah, this is really not much. Not much to say there. But um oh. I I did hear some interesting Adam Boquist news. Yeah, he wants to change his number. He does. He wants to change his number, which I think is a great, great thing for him to do. Please, dear God, fucking do it. I don't care what he changes it to. Just not that stupid number anymore. I also would say not three. Yeah, not three. I, I just, yeah, anything but three or 27. Like, I'm trying to think of there if I have any other notes. No, I mean he's just again he's consistently someone who gets injured, unfortunately. Um, 
especially this last time <laughs> fucking Cole injured him. And like, you know what's the worst part about that is I wasn't watching that game. And it was so sad. And so I like was listening Cole to felt so bad. <laughs> when I was listening to 32 Thoughts and I they mentioned it and I went, of fucking course he did. Of yeah. fucking course he did. Like they're like Adam Boquist took because oh, I saw that Adam Boquist. because well, I saw that Adam Boquist had been added like retroactively to IR, like, but I hadn't known why. I just had like been like that, yeah, that tracks. And then when I heard that, I went, no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, it's just the most Adam Boquist thing ever. And now he's missing like and also like the a most bunch Cole of teeth Stillander in the front. Which what? Song? I said, and also the most Cole Cylinder thing in the world. Yes. Like, yeah, he's just missing so many teeth from this incident, and it's rough. It is, it's rough. Yeah. So poor Adam, but I really do hope he changes his number. Um, Me too. Yeah, there's just not enough consistency there. Um, yeah, we we don't have to. We grade can't him. grade him really. I don't think nope. it's fair. So. Well, then let's shift over to the man who I'm going to say is my comeback player of the year. The myth, the legend. I, the man who has earned my respect and trust, and that's Eric Branson, who um, it took a while, but he did it. He is beloved by Blue Jackets fans. I don't know if, like, largely, but, like, I think by some, at least. I don't know. I think, I think so. Largely, yeah. I mean, because at this point, like, he's kind of like, if you look at the, like, roster, like, he's somebody who's, like, kind of like. He's consistent yeah he's not like a veteran but like he's also not like the youngest guy like young, well, he is a ve- he's a veteran I, technically he's the oldest I, I person on I the should, team but i guess i mean like he's not somebody who is the most tenured with the blue jackets but he's also not like the least tenured with the blue jackets either so he's like somebody who like fans like recognize and like feel comfortable and with but i think for someone like Gabranson, much like we've talked about like obviously the Russians and the foreign players finding connection. I think someone for for Gabranson or like Gabranson who's played on a lot of different teams and hasn't really had like a decent amount of consistency where he could find like a place. And now in his second season with the Blue Jackets, they've handed him this key of being an alternate captain and like giving him a role and giving him this expectation both on the ice and inside the locker room where he has just flourished. Like you can tell that everyone on that team loves and respects him. You can tell that is something happening. There were ducks. What? There were ducks. Oh, I did not hear the ducks. Um, That makes me want to say hi to our friends at the late arrivals podcast. Hi boys. Um, but anyway, back to Erica Branson. Um, but he has just, he's just flourished. Like he is always either verbally or physically ready to defend the honor of anyone, um, on this team. Some people get more mad when he's more so going after things verbally. Um, they want him to be punching people more, but it's okay. He's doing a lot of that too. Um, and I just think he's really, he's taken advantage 
of this little bit of consistency that he's been given with his four-year contract. Um, and I'm happy for him. And he's really becoming like, even off the ice, I think he's becoming such a great community representative for the team. He and his family, like, um, again, like I mentioned earlier, I am incredibly emotional these days, but watching him um, dance with this little girl who is handicapable at the cannonball tonight, cried. Like, he's just such a good dude. And he, I'm so happy for him that he's finding his place. So I'm going to give him an A minus. Yeah, I mean, Goody has been outstanding. I, I think that he is finding his place. And, and I mean, like, he's on his, he's on a pace to set career highs and in, in, um, maybe not necessarily in goals. I mean, like, his career high in goals is six, but he's scored three. I mean, like, as a defenseman, I feel like that number could, like, inflate or deflate pretty quickly but uh you know 14 points is where he's at right now his career high is 17 so like you know three points in 32 games i think he could do it and that's pretty exciting stuff there and you know they talked about his that season he had in calgary and and how that was crazy that he even had 17 points then but he's gonna do it in this in columbus with a team that really uh you know Obviously, they, they could score a little bit more. That's not necessarily the problem that they have, but good on him for doing it. I'm going to give him an A. Like, I mean, like, he's really, I think he's done way more than I expected him to. I kind of, I wasn't expecting a ton after last year, like, just going to be honest. So, like, this has been a pleasant surprise. I'm a big, big fan of Goody. He might be one of my favorites right now. But, um, Laura, this player that we're going to talk about next is not currently on the active roster. This player is on the Blue Jackets um, uh, AHL affiliate roster, the Cleveland Monsters, and that is none other than David Juracek. And I just wanted to say that I'm pissed off about it. And I I think that that is warranted that you are pissed off about it. I am also upset about it. But I also think that people – take situations like this where a player is upset about something and blow it entirely out of the water. It because just doesn't I know that he's frustrated. Me. I know that he's frustrated. I don't, I'm not saying that this makes sense to me either, but like the call for this much attention on how they're managing David Yurchek, like is kind of insane to me. Like, I think how are you not expecting we told him to to get a place in Columbus and then immediately sent him to Cleveland earlier in the season. So I'm not really sure why people are surprised that this happened again. Well, I think it's more of an indictment on the trust issues that fans have with this front office to be frank. Like I think that like that's more of like what that discourse is coming from, right? Like of now like being upset about this and like you know, I it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I, this guy is like, I'm sorry. He's a better defenseman than Andrew peak at the NHL level right now today. Like he is like, and you can't convince me otherwise. And I would argue it about Jake Bean as well. Like I would like, and, I, and I'm not against that. I just think it's, it's hard for this fan base to conceptualize things other than their perfect scenario. Of like course. it's the same way that they feel towards goalies. Whereas like their expectations were like, yeah. yeah, of course. No, I know. And it's just you they latch on to these young guys who are going to be the future of this team. 
and I wasn't going to talk about this until we talked a little bit later, but this is something I've seen floating around on the internet where it says, if we moved away from the management that we have right now and new management came in and wanted to make Adam Fantilli the captain, Adam Fantilli is 19 years old. Adam Fantilli has played not even a full season in the NHL. And I understand that he conducts himself, and I've said it before, he conducts himself like a much older player. But he is very much so still learning. Why would you want to put that pressure on him to be a captain when he barely knows what it's like to be in the NHL? And that's the that's the perspective I'm talking about with some fans in, of the Blue Jackets. is like just because someone like in the future would have potential does not mean you should hand them the keys to the city instantaneously. Like it's the same thing that how I, how we both feel about players spending time in the AHL spending time in the AHL. And I'm not talking about David Juracek right now. That's a separate situation. Spending time in the AHL is not a punishment. It is a development opportunity for certain players right now with your check, it's a wasted opportunity. He should be playing up with the big club in Columbus. This is a mismanagement situation, but there's just unrealistic expectations for some of our young players that don't make sense to me coming from this fan base, because I can't see anyone in their right mind looking at 19 year old Adam Fantilli and being like, Hey kid, I know you don't really know what you're doing, but we're going to make you captain of this team. I mean, I think they look around at the example. I mean, like it wouldn't be the first time in recent memory that that happened in the NHL. It's not. Well, I know that there are younger captains like their Quinn Hughes is a very young captain. Nick Suzuki in Montreal is a very young captain. Like. I mean, I think that exact scenario happened to Connor McDavid. I think Connor McDavid was named the captain of the Edmonton Oilers going into his second NHL season. I know, but you're comparing Connor McDavid in his first couple of seasons in the NHL to what we're experiencing with Adam Fantilli, and they're not on the same level. No, but I don't think that you, like, I would argue, I don't think that being a captain of a hockey team has anything to do. Like, I th- I think that there is something to do with, like, I a skill. I think you stunt his development in that situation. I think you put a level of pressure on someone. I think that that's fair. I'm not advocating in any way, shape, or form for Adam Fantilli to be the captain. I'm just saying that it wouldn't be unprecedented, and I can understand, like, it's not... I don't think people are pulling that out of thin air necessarily, but I don't think that that's the right call either. Right. I just think there's a weird unrealistic expectation with some of our younger players that yes, we've been promised and some have delivered in certain aspects of things. But if you don't give them the opportunity to reach that potential through experience and training and all this sort of stuff, then you're just going to stunt them and you're going to burn them out and they're not going to reach that potential. Because I do think, and especially going back to Adam, I do think that he would feel very pressured to perform in a certain way as a captain. Well, Laura, have you considered the fact that maybe people have just given up hope 
and everybody else and everything else. Like, I do truly think that's part of it. Like, frankly, like, I think it's partially. And I don't like, really understand. And I'm, I know it's going to sound homery. I don't really understand that about Boone. I really don't understand. Oh, people I'm not, not saying thinking. Boone. I'm not saying Boone specifically. I'm just saying, like, in terms of just, like, looking at, like, the young guys to be, like, the saviors of just, like, it all, right? Like, I mean, like, regardless of whether or not Boone is a part of it, like, Boone would be a part of it. Like, Boone would not be the star of, like, if this team wins the Stanley Cup and Boone's on it, like, it's not going to be because of Boone Jenner. Like, and I love Boone Jenner, but, like, it's going to, like, Boone is going to be important, like, but, like, Boone, like, it's going to be because of these young stars. And so I think that that's more of, like, where people are, but there, I think it's premature. Like, I think maybe people are rushing into that. But, like, I think that that's where it's coming from is people are so dejected and so hopeless at this point. Like, they're just, like, rushing to that place. And it's like, yeah, I think you're right. You're rushing it. And, like, don't put additional pressure on people to do that. Um, I mean, like, again, like, Igor Shinnikov was drafted in the 2020 draft. Um, and here we are finally, right? Like, and he's, you know kind of starting to like we're starting to figure it out right with him like he's starting to get it going and it's you know february 2024 right like it takes time for this stuff to develop so um i i guess that's the story on david urichek like that's i just wanted to throw him in there because i think it's important to talk about him when we talk no, about this blue jackets defenseman i mean we're not going to grade him because it's kind of the same story like it's inconsistent in his playing time like not his fault but it's just the reality of it it's hard to grade so uh you know I think that we'll probably have the opportunity to give him a grade here at the end of the season. But for now, uh, it's going to be uh, an incomplete there, and we'll come back to it at the end of the season. And, um, you know, a player that, honestly, like, this this guy's kind of, like, fringy on whether or not you do that for, too. But he's played in the majority of the games, so we'll we'll give it to him. 35 games played. He's missed 15 games, so not the, the elusive 12. Um, but six goals, 10 assists, 16 points for – Damon Severson, who has like, I like he's this. I kind of feel bad for the guy because I feel like this guy's kind of got this like damned if you do, damned if you don't energy to him that like, I just don't know how to like. I mean, like, the contract does that to him just automatically. So it's not, there's nothing he's ever going to be able to do about that. He's always going to carry that with him, especially if this is the last year of Yarmo and then that like next GM is stuck with the seven years of that contract, which is like, it might not end up being a bad contract. Like I think Damon Severson can make that contract a contract worth good value, but like, it's just going to be interesting to hear how people talk about Damon Severson for the rest of his blue jackets tenure. And it's interesting to hear devils fans talk about Damon Severson. Cause he, like he is a beloved devil. And so like, they're like, man, like we hate the fact that he like had to go through the shitter here. Like when we were dog shit and like people were shitty to him then because they didn't understand him. And now he's going to a team that doesn't understand him and they're dog shit. And by the time that they're good again is when he's going to get like traded or some shit. And like, that's like the cycle of it all. Right. But like, I don't know. Like, I think he's been like, I think that he was slow out of the gates, but I think he started to pick it up a little bit. His injury again, like made it difficult. Like it makes it hard. I think to know exactly what we're going to get out of him when he's fully healthy and he's playing a really long stretch of games and is in a full 82 game season. But I mean, I'm going to go with uh, like B minus C plus. I'm going to go maybe more C plus like above average slightly. Like I think he's played for me. Like I like, the eight year contract, the amount of money that you went for it. Like you definitely made a, 
a standing overture there that like this was a guy that you needed in your in your defensive core and so um he really needs to perform that way and i think he's performing well but i don't know that he's like blowing me out of the water yet and so that's why i'm gonna go see plus yeah i'm gonna go see i mean i think similarly to like i knew a little bit more about him bringing him over um and i think i kind of understand what they want from him they want to build him into someone that can not necessarily play with zach but like play on the second pairing and like, you know, be sort of a Zach esque situation, uh, which is fine. But I'm also not giving up the hope that this might be like an Eric Branson effect thing where like this first year is not going to look like what we want it to be. And staring down another seven years, you know, is going to look now granted it's technically twice as long as what we were staring down with, um, with Branson. But I feel like, this has been like a developmental adjustment period. I mean, he knew where he was going because he was granted the opportunity to speak with teams prior to the trade deadline. Um, And he picked Columbus, like, you know, so he knew a little bit, but just like we saw with Johnny, same situation. It wasn't before the trade deadline, but like, or the free agency situation, but like, he, I think it's just, he needs a little bit of time to settle in. The injury had happened, you know, kind of at a point where he looked like he was getting settled in and then he got injured. And so he's had to work his way back. Um, so I think year two is going to be a much better indication of the quality of this contract um, and the quality of his future, which is potentially very long with the Blue Jackets. Um but I think for right now, I'm going to go a C because it's just, I don't know that it's more or less than what we expect. Yeah. So, That's fair. But. Well, you're talking about year two. We're about to talk about hour two of the podcast because this is a doozy of a show today, folks. But We've been going for two, so long. We have been. We have been. But it's been a good time. And we know that you all who are still with us are the real ones. But we've got some, some good stuff still coming. So stay with us. So um, in hour two, we've got... Laura, are you ready? To talk about our goaltenders? Yeah. I mean, am I ever ready to talk about our goaltenders? Um, well, frankly, no. from my experience, no. <laughs> um, and I honestly, well, you're always like, ready intellectually, emotionally. However, I I don't know how I I can grade really either one of them in this in this time period because I'm not happy with any of it. Like, I'm just not. I don't think we're in a very good situation. I don't think that it was good that we let Spencer Martin go on waivers. Like, I I just don't. And this is coming from someone who loves Elvis with her whole heart. Yeah. And wants him thing, to be oh, and mean, wants him to be our number one goaltender. That whole thing felt very huh the fuck, right? Like we all feel that way, like the Spencer Martin thing. 
Yes, it just seems very out of pocket. And, and not like, because Spencer Martin is like some sort of like savior. Like I'm not saying no. that, but just from the perspective of like I think that like there was flexibility in that in the sense of like you gave yourself some time to like let some things work. You weren't dealing necessarily with like you weren't up against the cap in the sense of like you didn't have a ton of money that you were trying to save. Like you didn't have to worry about like dressing people like you were you were fine. Like Yeah, it seemed like an unnecessary situation that only sort of complicated or maybe uncomplicated as far as like the conversations and stuff go. Who knows? It's not a great, like we've named an, ep an episode previously. None of this is ideal. Like, cause right now we have two goalies in very precarious situations. One is upset in general. Both are injury prone. And we're just, it's not, it's not ideal. Like, and I, again, like I said, I want nothing more than for all of this to get ironed out with Elvis and for him to be willing to stay the remainder of his contract and be, and find success and find what he needs to be doing to become the number one goaltender. Because I also want to give more time to Daniil Tarasov to build strength and improve his game and work forward from this very critical surgery that he had. That is a very huge thing for goaltenders to have. And especially as, as young as Terry is to have it at that point, like that's a lot to come back from. So, but we're not in an ideal situation. Like letting Spencer Martin go was a mistake. Like, and it was unnecessary because now if something happens to either Elvis or Terry, we're pulling someone from Cleveland and we're messing up that situation. Damn. Like, it's not like, I don't, I, you, I, you can feel free. I don't feel free. I don't feel comfortable giving them grades because this is just, it's a terrible situation. Like there's no good evidence to grade anything off of because of how this whole situation has been handled. It's a full on like, has Elvis handled it properly? No. Is Terry getting the appropriate amount of like attention and care and like development? No. Is management and coaching handling this appropriately? No. Like we've literally shot ourselves in the foot. I mean, I, I feel like we've set this position back, like, basically, like, I think we've basically resolved ourselves to, like, either, like, hoping and praying that Terry can just, like, shake whatever this is um, and not be traumatized by it and, like, just call it a day and, like, develop into our number one goaltender at some point or, like, that we're just, like, abandoning this, like, current, like, group of goaltenders that we've got with the exception of like jet grease potentially and like saying like we've just got to wait for this next group of prospects that we've got like in the like nolan lalons of the world um or the sergey ivan ivanov, I think ivanov. yeah um in russia like waiting on those folks and like saying that that's your next like like line of of goaltending prospects that are going to come over and make a difference and so um maybe that's like the the you know um, 
maybe that's the hill you die on. I don't know, but uh, it just doesn't make sense to me to do it that way either. But I would say, I mean, I'm going to give grades um, because that's the, that's the game. That's the name of the episode, Laura. Um, um, I've been thinking an about... incomplete is a grade, so I can give this goal. Okay, you're going to give eyes. Okay, okay, that's fair. Okay, um, so I'm going to say I'm going to give. Terry is C minus. I do think he is giving me a little bit below expected value. Um, you know, he hasn't performed to the level that I expect him to at all times, but he has shown that he can do it. Uh, but I do think that again, some of it is like you said about the environment. And so like, maybe that's not fair of me, but it is what it is. Elvis, I'm going to give a C plus two. I do think he exceeds my expectations in some ways this year in terms of the play. I think the play actually, like if we were just talking about the play and the play alone, I would honestly probably say like we're sitting around a B minus B. Um, I think like some of the off the ice stuff is really kind of like affected my like thinking about like, cause I mean, that's gotta matter, right? Like in terms of like the way that you're like affecting the team and the way in which you're like helping the team to win, like don't get me wrong. Like, clearly like the shutout like to go into the all-star break like that feels good like clearly like something's working like you feel good going into that um the team is like still playing in front of you it's not like they've given up on you like so keep it going i guess but it's one of those things where i just i like it rubbed me so the wrong way like after that hockey is for everyone game that like everything was going like so well and like we were like I just was felt like such a good day, like to have seen everything happen the way that it did. And then like for Elvis to have basically been like, we're to I want traded uh, well, without saying it. Right. Like, or whatever, whatever the words, the great were, unknown. Were, yes, of course. <laughs> um, you know, Oh, that sucked. But like, you know what I mean? So I'm like, that's why it's a C plus and not like higher for me. But like, if he can like limit in this back half of the season, if he can limit some of that, like off the ice distraction stuff, like, and just focus on the game, like, and I'm not like, I hate that I'm like the person. Cause I'm like always the per- like, we are the people who would never say like, just focus on the game. Like we're the last people that would ever say that. And it like that way. But like in this way, I'm saying Elvis, please just like game, like just like focus on the game, like let it talk out there. And then, let the rest speak for itself and, and wherever it lands at the end of the season, let it land there. But for now, just keep getting dubs and shutouts and we'll call it a day. So. Yeah. It's just too complicated. It's more of, I'll be ready to talk about it at the end. and Let's get through these 32 games and, you know, take the off season to figure out what the fuck we're going to do. So. Fair. Because who knows what the fuck we're going to do. But, um, Laura, I know what we're going to do. We've got a couple of things we want to recap the good folks on. But, again, we are on hour two. So we're going to do this in a lightning round edition. Welcome to it, folks. Blue Jackets sent their captain, Boone Jenner, to the All-Star Game in Toronto. You heard that right. Toronto. The six. Call it what you want. Um, But, Laura, it was a fun time. Granted, the skills competition lacked a little bit of boon, but lacked uh, a little bit of everyone. You lacked a little bit of a lot. Basically, yeah. eight players competed in the entire skills competition. That was rough. And there's been discourse all online, and um, I put my two cents in via our social media because it's just like, and the NHL is classic for this: is just creating divides where they don't need to be. It, right. Like present and you invite all of these players you tell them that they are all-star level that they've reached this certain point in their career and their notoriety and you want to recognize them and then you take an entire portion of that away from 60 percent of them Mm -hmm. and not only that it's a portion where they have the and 
again, this is very first world problem situation, but like in this scheme of things, you took away from a majority of them the opportunity to win a million dollars. Right. And the people that organize the NHL All-Star Weekend are who picked the players that got to compete for the million dollars. So very much so. And those players are arguably the ones that were there that make the most money. Of course. Like Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid. Like they are making more than Boone Jenner. Than Sebastian Ajo, like, well, maybe not Sebastian, maybe Ajo. not Sebastian Ajo, but like Oliver Bjorkstrand, like, and it just it's not, it's not a fair situation. So like, why not just let the players determine whether or not they want to compete in the in the competition part of it, or make it so everyone can compete. Like you're dividing this situation for no reason. And so then you get to the game part of it and you have someone like Boone who ends up scoring a goal in each of the games that he played in and people being like so shocked and amazed that he knew how to score a goal like versus these other people who are, you know, so clearly more talented who didn't do shit during the games that they played in. Like, it's just asinine to me um, that that's how they set it up. Um, And, but, you know, he did great. He, you know, performed, like I said, really well during the games that he was in. He ended up being on Connor McDavid's team, the white team, um, who was celebrity coached by Will Arnett. Um, Thank God it wasn't Tate McRae's team, because I think that could have been weird for everyone. Um, And, you know, he looked like he had the time of his life. Like, Boone is from the Toronto area. All of his family got to be there. You know, his wife, they're going to have their baby soon. Like, this is such a big thing for him. And it was finally, like, the NHL realizing, like, kind of who Boone Jenner is. Like, and who he is as a player, what he's meant to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, and that's the kind of thing I like to see from an All-Star Weekend. Like, really seeing the players that are making huge differences on all levels for their teams and have worked their butts off to, like, get to this point. Um, So I'm really happy for him. I'm glad, like, you know, that he had the best experience possible and got to be one of the lucky ones whose like break fell after the weekend. So he got to go immediately to then be on vacation with his wife um, and some of the other guys on the team. Um, but yeah, it just, I was very happy for him, but some of it was dumb. So that, <laughs> that's course. my review of the all-star weekend. I think it was a very comprehensive review. I think it was good. 10 out of 10. Also, Justin Bieber gives me the creeps. Yeah, it just the photos. Yeah, it was an interesting time. It just he gives me creeps, and I don't like it. Yeah, I can understand that. I get it. So I get it. I get it. But um, 
Another fun thing, all the fanfare. So obviously the Blue Jackets haven't taken the ice yet for a game, but they've taken the ice. They're back on the ice for practice, all that kind of stuff. But they also have taken back to some events, and the Cannonball was one of those events. And, um, you know, it's always really exciting every single year to see the Cannonball come together, and it is the pinnacle. One of these years. One of these years is going to happen, damn it. It's going to happen, <laughs> and we can't wait for it to happen. But, um, you know, it's, it's every year the Blue Jackets Foundation it's their pinnacle event that is their chief fundraising event that is you know just a really just a great celebration of all the great work that they do within the community and all the players are there and they show up and show out and um you know it, it's just so much fun to see everybody just having a great time and yeah. you know showing and out and sometimes adhering to a theme sometimes not you know right. Um, but it's also just, it's such another great opportunity for the Blue Jackets Foundation to highlight those uh, community groups and community partners that we, that the foundation works with every single season um, and the opportunities that the foundation has been able to bring to these such deserving organizations and how much they've been able to incrementally grow the sport of hockey and the access to hockey and the access to you know, just so many other things that people don't necessarily think about um, in the day-to-day in Central Ohio and around Columbus. Um, so it's just such a cool event. Again, one of these days <laughs> we will be there. Um, I do like to vicariously live through our beloved friends, uh, Kyle and Danny, who looked spectacular um, at the Cannonball um, this year. And um, I think Danny will probably still be floating on cloud nine from her picture with Marchenko and Chinnikov. Um, and I'm just so happy for them. But, you know, it's just such a great event. It's such a very unique and special thing um, that the Blue Jackets do. And again, this theme was probably the least no- noticeable, which was like sort of bluesy music. Um, but the band sounded really great from the clips that I've heard. And it looked like a lot of fun. It mm-hmm. just was, they've just done so much more dynamic themes in the past. Yeah, House of Blue um, Jackets. Yeah, it was a complicated one. But they focused a lot too more on the food because Cameron Mitchell um, did all the food for the event. So they specialized, they made a special uh, Creole um, Louisiana style menu um, for the uh, big event, which that's, you know, something interesting and connected to me working for Columbus State is Cameron, Cameron Mitchell is such a big contributor um, to Columbus State and, you know, the future culinary minds of the world. So it's really cool to see him working with the Blue Jackets as well to just keep it home, like keep it using the resources and the specialties and the people here in Columbus. But again, one of these years we're going to get to go there. <laughs> it's going to be um, great. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, so Cannonball, um, All-Star Weekend, uh, we did talk about Adam Fantilli's injury already, and we're again just hoping that he, um, you know, gets better as hel- as quickly, but as, as safely as possible, um, and doesn't do any additional, he is doing, he is using a scooter, so he's not putting any pressure on the leg, um, and he did, um, he was spotted at both Ohio State-Michigan hockey games over the past weekend to support his brother. 
um, and, you know, had some interaction with fans. <laughs> Did you see the video of uh, his um, brother and Gavin Brindley talking about his shake? The, his, about uh, his handshake? No, no, no. His mil- uh, his uh, his uh, smoothie that he made. Uh, the one that, his, uh, that Luca Fantilli made. No. Oh, oh no. Uh-uh. Oh, it's I'll find it and send it to you. If you haven't seen it, I'll we'll, I'll retweet it from our uh, social media this too. This sounds so like content I would love. I love players trying to make food for themselves. No, and like Michigan has got like a pretty dope setup for uh for their players, I think at their facility and so they can make their own smoothies and that's chaos like the like 19 20 year old boys like trying to make their own smoothies like yeah, the ratios i think they're fucking they're it up a little bit throwing in whole jars of peanut butter and 17 bananas and i like- think i think the issue is like the spinach and this is i think he was i think i think like gavin brindley was like this is six that's like it's not good vegetables are scary to teenage boys um But something that we definitely want to take a minute to talk about is, um, as you probably noticed, we didn't talk about him, the player grades, um, is Patrick Laine's decision to enter the NHL's player assistance program um, right before the All-Star break. Um, And Patrick has been dealing with lots of things on and off the ice, several very complicated injuries, as well as just, as you can imagine, some gnarly mental health related situations um when his recovery from his injuries but also in just the different various losses that he has experienced um in his personal life and i think you and i didn't even bat an eye when the news came out it makes absolute sense um i don't think it is hard to see that he's been struggling Um, particularly this season in, you know, just who he is on and off the ice. And, you know, this is one of those things where I think a lot of people feel like they are owed an explanation as to why a player enters the program. Um, This is a situation where oftentimes a lot of very dangerous speculation gets put out there when a player enters the program. Um, And, There is absolutely no one is owed anything from anyone who enters this program. It is actually very harmful to speculate why they have decided to enter the program. That decision is between them, their loved ones, and the team. Um, And you don't need to know. No one needs to know. The point is, is this player is doing what they need to do to make themselves the best and most healthiest versions of themselves. And that's all that matters. Um, so from us, like we are wishing Patrick the best, we will be here with open arms, like most fans when he is ready to return to the ice, whether that's this season or we don't see him again until, you know, next season, that's totally fine too. Um, but he's where he needs to be right now and he deserves the privacy and respect of anyone who's going through something like this. So if you're one of those people that's like a little extra curious, just let it go. Like let him, let him have this time, let him have this space and he can come back when he's ready. And that's the entire point of this program. So 
Like we are wishing Patty the best and we can't wait to see him back and better than ever. And in a place where he feels at his best. Completely agree. And Laura, the blue jackets, like we've talked about, they have been on quite the break and that break comes to an end here on Saturday. They've got the Tampa Bay lightning at home on Saturday, and then they've got a road trip up across the border to Ottawa on the 13th. Uh, and then they've got a while before their next one. And so we'll probably get a chance to record another episode in between those two games, or I should say those games, and then the next uh, little road trip out west. So, you know, we won't have too much that we'll miss. So that's exciting. So uh, next time we record, we'll be able to talk about those two games. So that'll be fun. Yes, but oh man, the return of late night games <laughs> for those three after after the upcoming two. We um, might just have to record on Thursday the 22nd. Yeah. Might just have to be an episode coming out on 23rd. Which will be fine. Which will be uh, the return of Eric Robinson to Columbus. Oh, wow. To the Schwad, yeah. Wow. Um, so Damn. yeah, so it's, got, it's kind of a, a weird rest of February for the Blue Jackets. Um, but it will be nice. I'm tentatively planning to be there on Saturday for the Tampa game. So it would be nice to be back um, and experience the real ice. It's not real. It's not Blue Jackets ice when Dizzy on ice is there. So it's a layer that they specifically make to put on top of our ice. Um, And it's definitely not as cold in there as it should be, which was also weird. Um, Probably unnerving. It was. I'm like, why am I sweating? Like, this doesn't feel... And we were sitting in the club level. Like, you should not be sweating in the club level normally. But, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting February. But we are back for right now. And we can't wait to bring more episodes and content um, as we go throughout the rest of the month. Um, And yeah, we're just excited and happy to be back. That we are. And Laura... Like you said, we've got more content coming your way. We talked about a fun little content thing that we've got <laughs> me planning that will result in me probably ending up bruised and battered, but I'm excited for it. And we've got all sorts of things that I'm sure we'll be doing that will require you all to remain plugged into our various social media platforms. But in order for you to do that, you've got to know where to go. And there is nobody better to do that and to tell you where to do that. Then my lovely co-host, Ms. Laura Norman. I may be a little rusty, so let's see. You can follow our personal Twitter slash X accounts at ITR Jeremy and ITR Laura. You can follow the show on Twitter slash X and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, TikTok, and YouTube at Subjectively Speaking. Uh, we do have a beautiful website that you can visit for all the links to all the things that I'm telling you about, which is subjectivelyspeaking.com. Um, you can also, if you want to support us, which would be super lovely, just based on recent events, um, if you want to support us and get some super sweet merch in exchange, you can visit our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com. And lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, uh, particularly if you're on Apple Podcasts. Scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our lucky number. And we have gotten up to 67 star reviews. Very excited for us. 
Um, so if you want to leave a comment or haven't left a star review, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, but other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. And yeah, can't wait to be back in your ear holes. Not ear holes. That's crazy. <laughs> ear holes is nuts. But anyway. It's the truth. Well, yeah. Facts are facts, America. <laughs> anyway, y'all. Well, like Laura said, we're so glad to be back uh, in your earwaves um, and your sound waves. It, we're, we're glad you're listening to us. <laughs> We're glad we're glad you're listening, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to you know you listening again next week. We'll be back next week, and so until then, make sure you take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and remember that hockey is for everyone. And we really do truly mean everyone when we say that. And we'll talk to y'all next time. Bye.